Hello there, Andy's Toys and various people around the world. And welcome back to another episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, where we take a look at a film that's usually relevant to things that are coming out in the cinema. Um, just to deal with some of the housekeeping things first, unfortunately, we were supposed to be joined by my regular co-host, DK, but it turns out his internet connection had other ideas. Uh, it's been less than, uh, you know, less, less than kind to us and... Uh, so he's had to unfortunately just sit this one out because it was it was a losing battle. The delays and the uh, interruptions were just too much. Um, but thankfully, I am still joined by a guest, so it's not going to be just me. It will be a two-person review, uh, but it's going to be me and a familiar face. Uh, it's going to be Will Templar again. Hello, Will. <laughs> Quick, the walls are closing in. No, uh, well, half your audience has just clicked off. They're like, oh, this prick again. Well, I, well you I, say I, that, but every episode you're on gets hundreds of views. So, <laughs> what can I say? I exactly. Thank, thank so, you for uh, tuning in. Like, awesome, subscribe, yeah. and peace. Goodbye. No, <laughs> exactly. So, no, yeah, Will's joining us again from uh, his big screen podcast. Sort of a celebration of the release, I think, tomorrow when this airs, uh, of the new movie Lightyear. Uh, we decided we would be going back and looking at one of the Toy Story movies. And knowing that Will was going to be the guest, I basically asked him to pick which one he wanted to review. Uh, and he decided we were going to review Toy Story 2, which seems kind Indeed. of fitting if we're relating it to Lightyear, because it is the one where we're introduced to Emperor Zerg and, uh, you know, some of the Buzz Lightyear backstory. So why not? So well, that's the concept be of Zerg was introducing Toy Story 1, wasn't it? But then it was kind of was explored it? more in Toy Story 2. I, I believe so. Like there Zerg was mentioned because... <laughs> Um, of course, Buzz had like an ulterior motive when he was first introduced to Woody and whatever, and he was talking about like a mission he was on to defeat Zerg or something like that. And that's why this, oh, the second movie opens with him defeating yeah. Zerg, and then it's like a twist with him yeah, being yeah. in a video game. Whatever. I think that's yeah, that's point. good. I, mean, I like that. Awesome. Um, ah. Yeah, see, the, I should have watched the first one again. I didn't rewatch the first one, you see, before we went into this. I only watched the second one, so... Yeah. Well, um, for the ladies and gentlemen, I hadn't seen the first one. I only seen second, third, and fourth film prior to wow. this year. Prior to this year, so whenever I saw, whenever I caught it on BBC One, for example, I turned on the first film, and it was like so. Especially the kid uh, was the name Sid. Sid the antagonist. Oh, Sid guy the, uh, the, the neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whenever I looked at him, I was like, "This looks dreadful." I'm going to switch <laughs> off now. I'll just stick right. with my favorite nostalgic film, Toy Story 2. And this is why I chose Toy Story 2 to review because it was my favorite. But then I was doing like a, well, I I said on Twitter, I was going to like start a, is it Pixar? Yeah, it's Pixar, right? A mm, Pixar yeah. marathon. So yeah. Toy Story 1, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, then Monsters, Inc. or whatever the, the, Chronologically, chronological lineness of it. I think it that's is. right. Yeah, Toy Story books yeah. like Toy Story Two, then Monsters Inc. I believe are the first four. Okay, so I got that far into it with no will, but um, I only got around to Toy Story One, then I gave up. <laughs> so I, I watched <laughs> Toy Story literally one. the first one. <laughs> yeah, because I just had no desire to get into Bugs Life. But yeah, ah, okay, fair enough. I still haven't seen that one, which uh, DK wasn't happy at me when I told him. <laughs> wow, <laughs> makes two of us. I Sorry about that. I'll get to it. I haven't seen Blumen any of the Monsters Inc. films yeah. or anything. <laughs> like, like, oh wow, really? I've seen like pa passing viewer on that, like more casual, but I have seen them on mm. TV. Ah, but with enough. um, but with a Bug's Life, the, it was the like we said off air. It's my favorite of the the clips at the end during the credits. Yeah, yeah. The, the, bug, the, the Bug's Life was like, oh, well, how can we get our own sequel? Wow, 
talking about sequels and then the characters <laughs> from Toy Story come through. Like, no, this is our sequel. <laughs> Shop them through. <laughs> yeah, that, it, it was enough. my favorite. It was my favorite. So I will awesome. give it a go based on that. That's fair enough. The so next section we're going to jump straight into is the, would normally be DK's realm. But um, as his internet is uh, not allowing him to communicate very well, um, we are going to hand it over to me for this week. And we're going to do the behind the scenes, just some little random bits and pieces of information about Toy Story 2 that you may or may not know. Um, there's not a lot of information, but there's some interesting things that I did want to touch on. Um, the first one of which, in no particular order, is that um, there. <laughs> We, um, I don't know if you know this, Will, we were discussing it beforehand. Somebody on Twitter pointed out that a lot of the animation for this was done within nine months. That, that was the overall, I wonder who um, that was. Yeah, our friend Jamie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was very quickly done. But the movie very nearly didn't happen because the film was lost partway through the uh, the animation process. Uh, there's actually a documentary on the Blu-ray, one of the special features about this. And they were very fortunate that one of the animators was pregnant and was working from home. So she took an, a full copy of what they'd done so far home with her and had it as a backup. So we have mm. this particular, and I'm really sorry, I can't remember her name, but this particular Pixar worker to thank for the fact that they didn't have to just like start from scratch about halfway through everything and didn't lose the film because something had went wrong with the yeah, computers. See, or... I, I, I did know that fact. I wasn't sure which Toy Story film to attribute it to. So I was mm. like, when I saw Jay, uh, when yeah. Jamie made the tweet about, oh, it's been nine months, I assumed, okay, so maybe the fact was for Toy Story 2 and perhaps they had nine months because they had to stick to the deadline but they had less time to animate so it was quite rushed but apparently mm. no because they had the copy and yeah, yeah now i'm remembering it i do remember that fact yeah that's fun um what was i going to say the other fact that i have and again we talked about this off air um there is during these uh, sort of the fake gag reel i guess at the end the uh, sort of false outtakes that they've animated mm. there is one that if you're watching the movie on streaming you won't see anymore that was originally in the film um, and it's a scene where the uh, prospector character voiced by Kelsey Grammer is basically hitting on two Barbie dolls and sort of, um, oh, you are, you're twins, are you? This is fascinating. Oh, you know, I can uh, get you a role in Toy Story 3. And because of the whole kind of casting couch reference uh, around the time of the Me Too movement and uh, what happened with Harvey Weinstein, coupled with naturally what happened with kind of John Lester and very uh, unfortunate accusations of um, inappropriate behavior on his part, that scene has now been removed. So if you've watched on sort of Disney Plus or iPlayer or any of the streaming services, you won't see that particular gag, but it is still present on the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Um, just yeah. random fascinating things mm. <laughs> I found out. Um, the, uh, we watched on Disney Plus and I watched on BBC iPlayer and it was cut from both, so yeah. Well, I watched Stream it on Blu-ray, but I went back because I was oh, curious okay. when I, I... I read that it had been cut and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to check for myself because I wouldn't just say that and then turns out it's not true. So yeah, I checked on Disney Plus, it definitely is gone. So... Mm. Um, yeah, weird. Um, the third fact I wanted to give is that the cleaner, in quotes, who comes to kind of fix Woody and fix up the toys uh, is the character Jerry from Jerry's Game, which was a previous Pixar short uh, that had Ooh. already come out. So he's an existing character, um, which is pretty cool if you're a Pixar fan. Uh, and on a similar note to that, when they're flicking through the channels, trying to find the Owl's Toy, Toy Barn commercial, um, all of the channels are showing Pixar's previous shorts. There's nothing else. It's just previous clips from their short movies, which again, if you're, a, yeah, if you're a buff, it's really cool to kind of, you can play spot the short that they're actually flicking to as the channels go by. Mm. Um, so it's kind of fun. Uh, and I believe that may have been almost all of the facts that I had. I can't really remember anything else. Um, 
probably will end up uh, remembering <laughs> something that I've forgotten. But no, I think that was uh, that was more I, or less I, everything. Unless I, I do love the memes that this film was generated. You know, when they it was flicking through the the channels, I, that's yeah. always posted on Netflix on on bloody Netflix. You no, know, on Snapchat and TikTok, it's like point of view you're you're looking through a girl's snapchat after they've been on a <laughs> night out and they're flicking through all the stories like they've posted so much of the nightclub let's just get through ah. it's funny <laughs> um, in retrospect yeah i mean it's it's a, a known movie and i think a lot of it depends on like when how old you were when you first saw it and how it hit you um but we'll get into all of that i will go into the review of the film now properly uh we just kind of do it more loosely now rather than doing it chronologically so it's Ideally splits into categories like acting, writing, direction, music, etc. But we are also very kind of free form. And so if, if the conversation takes us to a particular scene or a moment, then we're happy to go and talk about that rather than waiting or whatever. So, mm. um, but before any of that, we always start off with just what are your kind of memories of seeing this movie, Will? Do you recall the first time you saw it? And what were you, what were you expecting going in for the, for the rewatch on this one? My friend. I have watched this film so many times. <laughs> oh my god, I must have watched this film about six or seven times. I cannot remember the first time I watched it. I must, well, I must have been about two or three, which is pretty funny because you were probably 23 when you first watched it or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I can't remember. Um, but I, I do think I misremembered a couple of small details of this film, which is natural. You're going to think mm. something was a bit more tense or whatever. Some scenes. Yeah, like, things hit you differently when you're younger, obviously, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, in terms of there were some moments like when he's in the game again and the, the you know, the camera comes out of the, the rock and whatever, and then it turns and looks a buzz. I thought that scene was a little bit longer, for example. So it kind of oh, okay. had a bit more tension to it. But then when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, okay, no, it just turns straight around. And then there's no road intensity. It's just like, oh, he hasn't seen it. And now he's seen it. Oh, well, yeah, let's move okay. on to the next thing. But um, <laughs> other than that, I think I noticed there was far more jokes. Like, for example, in the first 10, 20 minutes before we actually get to the meat of the plot and like the plot points or whatever, every single exchange of dialogue had to pay off. It was like mm. it had a joke at the end of it. And I really appreciate that because whilst it's meant to be like a children's movie and whatever, it's like meant to be funny. You can so appreciate that as an adult, like yeah, just the con continual jokes. And I think, yeah, it's, ve it's very family oriented, I think. Definitely. Yeah, well, related to that, I actually, I mean, viewing this as a more, kind of more critical lens now, I appreciate the way, like how tight the writing is and how everything kind of has a point. Um, nothing's mm. frivolous. It's all kind of, it's all kind of set up for um, things that are going to happen later or it's it, it becomes relevant to something later on. Uh, so even when it seems like it's not, like at the very start in Andy's room and everything, it will come back full circle at the end and everything will have its purpose. And I kind of like a plot like that where nothing's, there's no kind of loose ends and there's no like wheat, to, wheat from the chaff, as they say, or whatever. So, mm. I mean, the film is only 90 minutes long, which, you know, that's probably part of the reason for that. But uh, yeah. I think oh, the pa the pacing of it is absolutely superb. It flies it's, from the yeah. one thing to another really quickly. Yeah, maybe maybe too fast, if anything, yeah, though, because it yeah. doesn't seem like the it doesn't seem like a, a lot of the more emotional scenes have a chance to breathe. And I think that's maybe what you were saying with you remembered like that one random thing being a bit longer and quicker. Mm. Oh, sorry, longer and more impactful. Um, and I was the same. I remembered kind of Jesse's like fear of abandonment and her kind of sad song and stuff being a lot more 
drawn out and a lot more impactful. And yet, on this watch, it was kind of like just there and done, I guess. I, I, I just like never that. liked that in general. I really? never liked that scene. <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, I was like, oh, this is the skip scene. This is the scene I always skip. And right. I was like, I was watching it this time and I thought, it's still, it's still that. Like for me, it's too drawn out. So we see this a bit differently. I just mm. think it because it's so quick. The sudden switch to something more melodramatic and slow, and mm. the the song with the actual use of a pop, well, not a pop song, just like a more slow song. It just yeah. kind of took me out of it a bit. Not, it didn't take me out of it. It was just like quite disappointing in this in that sense because it didn't really hit for me and like before that i think a large part of it is like before hello? that montage hello dk hello hey sorry to interrupt is this working oh my now? word it's, it's you working, it's yeah. working. <laughs> just give me a sec no worries <laughs> but, um, I, yeah i do think a large part of that montage of that montage didn't work just because i found jesse quite an unlikable character um oh, up until you're like, gonna definitely differ yeah, on that one <laughs> like when i saw you put out a poll for the audience interaction or whatever it's like who's your favorite toy story character and it's like woody mm. buzz and jesse and i was mm. like well, the, Jesse only got one vote, and I was like, I bet my money it is Michael because Michael likes Jesse, I suppose. And I, I not, guess, right, but not, it's like not overall, I mean, not not in the overall franchise, but this is to, for my money, this is Jesse's movie, and this wow. is her story, and that's the kind of that, that's the crux of it. The overall point of it is is emphasized by her. Um, and you know, it's the movie that introduces her, but it's also, like I said, it's the one that introduces the concept which i think was done better when it develops more in three but it introduces the idea of yes you're a toy and you're loved and everything now but that can't last forever and what happens you know that's why i prefer and... her in three like it, mm. like in this film the only time i was actually rooting for her was in the final sequences and from the point of when uh woody's been rescued by stinky peas stinky peas gone off with that barbie doll or whatever and mm. then uh and then woody's like uh saved and whatever and then we see jesse go down the go down the slip wire whatever down towards the plane cargo that was the mm. first time i kind of wrote it for it it's like okay our protagonist has been rescued now our attention is on rescuing this other person i thought yeah let's do it but before that i was just like she's very in the Bitchy. She's like, oh, Andy, Andy, Andy. Oh, precious Andy. Well, I, just I don't see that. She wasn't up. very likable at first. Exactly. She was not likable. She she okay. was so snarky. When she was introduced, she was a load of fun. But then when she kind of descended into more sad character, she yeah, took I, it I, out on Woody. And he's the protagonist. He's the one we're rooting <laughs> for. So introducing a new character by having her slam down the guy we know it was just but quite that was the see that this is where i really struggled because this is maybe i just empathized more with her but that was kind of the whole point like i never saw it as being bitchy i genuinely felt bad for her that she was like oh well yeah you're gonna run off and do your thing and we're gonna be put in storage and once, that's like a fate worse than death kind of thing. once she had the scene once she had a flashback she became more empathic but up until that point she was a bit you know it, yeah exactly it, it was like she yeah, had no she had no Res not resentment. She had no. She should have understood where what he was coming from on the off. Well, but why because did he, he didn't understand where she was coming from? So why why is it up to her to understand him? <laughs> because Woody, be was that. but because Woody was trying to was explaining to her that he's got uh he's got an owner, and then well uh and then Jesse also had an owner, but he exactly, she's yeah. not empathetic to the fact that he had an owner. 
Do you know what I mean? And then we had a montage, and then she kind of then they both became understanding of each other and their mm-hmm. mutual pain or whatever. But when he said, oh, "I've got an owner," she just became snarky and whatever. And I guess that's you could because that's her pain. Like, that's yeah, the, that's the point of like. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know, but it was just like it didn't work before the montage and even after the montage the focus goes away from her because that's when the toys come back and their attention's back on woody and then again when woody's saved the attention goes back to jesse and then at the end in that final 20 minute sequence that's when i feel stuff for jesse and that's when it really matters that's the climax and i think that's what the twist that's what the turning point is supposed to be but obviously you awesome yeah, resonated with her from really early on yeah well that's where i would differ but then uh, everybody welcome back dk who seems to have fixed his internet problems welcome back Hello, buddy. DK. howdy 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 uh, since you're here then dk what what do you have an opinion on this kind of debate we're having about like jesse as a character or is it just what you had said that kind of you didn't find her all that likable until she explained herself with the song and everything and uh and then it came like, in like wilson when she first appeared she was a likable character and then when the sour grapes kind of crept into her character it let it down a little so you didn't kind of root for her as much it wasn't until that scene that you you thought oh, okay see where she's coming from now hmm. fair enough but it still, uh, it still didn't excuse the way she was treating woody i mean i can understand why she was resentful but it didn't come across in a very uh, a very pleasant way i i don't have an issue with it which is probably where i'll differ from you too because i see i think i was just I feel for where she's coming from, and for me, I'm perfectly on board with the idea of that she doesn't want to go back into storage, basically, at the end of the day. And like I said, the fact that he, the best excuse he can give for why she's going to go through that punishment is, well, I have an owner. And she's like, well, yeah, so did I, but you know, so you're going to damn me to this kind of horror because you're going to go and have an extra, what, few years with your buddy who will abandon you and whatever. So to me, it kind of all sprung from her character. Um, and... Yeah, for the purpose of bringing it back to the, the the section about acting, I also thought Joan Cusack did a really good job because she's one of the few voice actors where it's kind of it's almost hard to recognise that it's her. Uh, like as much as I love the other performances, you can kind of tell that Woody is Tom Hanks, and you can tell that Buzz is uh, it's Tim Allen and whatever else. But Joan Cusack, I think, is the only one really who's playing a character who uh, kind of loses herself in that. Not to sound all kind of pompous about it, so I thought I was yeah, I, I really was impressed with her. The performance as well um mm. <laughs> so you guys don't agree i presume <laughs> no no no, no. I, I mean i like john cusack but but i could you could tell that it was john in my opinion anyway you could tell it was john cusack as soon as you start speaking right okay fair enough um see I, I, I just thought like because she's so i've only ever really seen her in like dramas and indie movies and stuff so when she was being like wow look it's woody and everything i was like this this doesn't sound anything like the actress that i know because i've never really seen her in anything that high energy i guess um but yeah that's neither here nor there um mm. i'll just go through a few notes i have on the acting and then i'll go get you guys opinions it's nice to still see bo peep and annie potts in this movie before she sits out the third one and comes back in the fourth obviously um i think uh, the late great Arlie Ermey casting him as the leader of the soldiers in all of the movies is just a stroke of genius because it's so funny just the idea of like this hard ass general leading the toy soldiers that you don't even really need to make a joke there. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the only other uh, casting note I have is that how weird is it that we're once again talking about Wayne Knight playing the bad guy as uh, Al from Al's Toy Barn after we were just talking Jurassic World in our last episode. And of course, we might know him as Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park or. Newman Ooh. from Seinfeld or numerous other things. <laughs> so, 
So, yeah. That's maybe where I recognize the voice from because the voice just resonates with me so much. He's got such a great oh, voice. Yeah. He's very much just the one voice. Yeah, yeah. Buck, buck, buck. Oh, man, I, I love it. The whole <laughs> the whole chicken soup thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All that chicken. So what did you think about him? Um, did you guys have any thoughts on the acting, either either of you guys, or anything you wanted to shout out? I think Tim Allen was fantastic. Yeah, I don't, he, he's always I fantastic. I have to kind of admit he's great at playing the kind of um, daring-do, cocky hero guy. So. Yeah, I, I love the dynamic with the two buzz... But the yes. two most like years, I thought that yeah. was really good. I did. I was quite disappointed with how that kind of wrapped up with the "quote unquote" fake buzz. Like uh, yeah. he gets really, like I was like, okay, how are they going to write this out? Because yeah. they're back, they're on route to Andy's house now, but they can't surely can't have two of them. And mm. then all of a sudden, it's like the it's the Star Wars reference. You and my father, no. Yeah. And they go to the bomb, and then it's like. Oh, are you coming, Buzz? No, I'm going to play catch with my father. And I just thought, <laughs> so that's how they're doing it. But that is really but, quick and that is really out of nowhere. I forgive that, though, because it's really funny. Because it's just, it's the last thing it's you bizarre. expect. Is that, like, yeah. From yeah, the, based I, I on the Star Wars thing, you don't expect that it's going to be like, oh, wow, dad. And so it's like, all right, if you're going to pay it off with a quick gag while acknowledging that he can't go with you, then fair enough. So. I, I think I appreciate that a little bit more than you. I know it's technically not the act, it's technically the animation. Well, mm. the animation's acting, let's say. I did yeah. love the particular moment where uh, it, was a, it was a little touch, it's a little things in this movie that really stand out because, like you said yesterday, there's not really much you can really write about this film. It's like, oh, yeah. this scene works for you, this scene maybe works for this reason, it didn't work for that reason, whatever. One of the little animation touches I noticed is when the yard sale was happening and the mother is coming around to collecting the toys. And mm. it's like when she's going around to Rex, she moves Rex and then she picks up something beside him. I like how they animated the eyes and like the to show the right. nervousness and him moving his eyes to follow the yeah. thing that was being picked up. I just like that sense of anxiety from Rex. And I thought it was quite mm. funny because it was played out as a joke and it was quite brilliant in my opinion. Yeah, the kind of the the inner life that the toys have is very well done in all of the movies because, as you say, the idea that the people don't know that they're... I mean, it's weird, but the people that don't know that they're alive and sentient and so they have to act like toys, but mm. then, as you say, we know they have this rich inner life, so... It's Toy Story I mean, 3. It's Toy Story 3, the one that opens with them on a train. Yes, it is, yeah. I'm looking um, forward to rewatching that one. I want to know how that I really works. like Toy Story 3. I will say, related to what you were talking about earlier, just to mention it, I do think... Mm. As much as I like Buzz Lightyear's plot in this one and the kind of the Zerg Star Wars thing and the meeting another Buzz who calls back to the original movie because he doesn't know he's a toy and stuff, yeah, I much prefer Buzz Lightyear's plot in the third movie when he randomly switches into Spanish mode and he just becomes <laughs> like this Spanish-speaking Lothario and everything. And it's like, that, to me, is a funnier kind of idea as a, a plot device. And, like, yeah, just it, it, the ingenious idea of, like, well, a toy might have this kind of mode and what would happen if you switched it like mm -hmm. that? So. Yeah. I did like the subtle. Fig I mean, forgive me if you guys have touched upon it because obviously I've missed a bit. Mm. I did yeah. like the uh, the little subtle joke when the original Buzz Lightyear climbs up, finds the uh, the newer version with the tool belt, and gets really. Was that really like this? Yeah, but it, <laughs> but it's the 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 thing where he's envious of the tool belt, thinking back <laughs> to you know the roles that Tim Allen's uh, played before. Yeah, I never I never picked up on that, but yeah, I guess that's the point. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'd see, I just, I, from a 
pragmatic standpoint, I was just watching it going, yeah, I know for a fact you've done this purely so the audience can differentiate between the two buzzers, otherwise it would get confusing. So we mm. know that the one who thinks he's a toy has the utility belt and our buzz doesn't kind of thing. But um, yeah, slight little joke to get in there, I guess. Even when they were fighting, it was quite difficult to tell which one was which. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But that was the point, wasn't it? So oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I may as well get into this now, though. I think that's kind of a symptom of one of these slight criticisms I might make about this movie. Apologies if, if you love it, you know, you don't want to hear any criticisms. But I think it relies a little bit too much at times on nostalgia for the movie that's just before it. Mm. So there's a lot of things where it seems like they're forcing in references to what's gone before. And I appreciate them carrying on in the same universe. So I, I even put on my notes, like, I like that it carries on and we still have the dog who's with the family who we'd seen at kind of the last joke of the first movie and they mention what happened and, yeah, Woody came for me at one point and everything. But like I say, I think there's times when using the Buzz Lightyear doesn't know he's a toy thing again as a plot line and then at the end when they, like, randomly come across, like, the Pizza Planet truck and the aliens and stuff, I was like, all right, this is getting a little bit forced now for kind of, like, do you remember that first movie? yeah. yeah. I got that kind of sense when they introduced the, well, reintroduced the aliens. I did yeah. like the whole, because of what DK said, it was like a joke when Buzz got introduced, like the other Buzz. So it's yeah. like, I can I can respect that, you know, sense of, you know, they're just playing it for a joke, and for a punchline, and they get on with it. And of course, there, there's more punchlines when he's like acting like a space ranger, of course, and mm. the others have to like work off that dynamic. They have to bounce off that. And yeah. I really liked it. And I, it's like, I, because you mentioned it as well, like the dynamics between the first and the second one, it's like, or, or the second and the third one, if a character is sidelined in the second one, they're brought back into the third one. And little character, the, the little narratives that were in the first film, they were kind of, because this film to me feels like Toy Story 1, but just flipped on its head in the sense that uh, Buzz was chasing after Woody in Toy Story 2, but in Toy Story 1, it was Woody going after Buzz. But this time it was Buzz rescuing Woody and it felt s similar in that respect, that um, the stories were pretty similar, but it was that's just like the, a different adventure. Well, more I, or less, what I'm seeing here is that like the the overall story idea is not that unique, and so I kind of I appreciate the bits where they did introduce new ideas, and so like the idea of um, the, you know the, the new characters and the Alice Toy Bond and everything was good. But you're right, like the central idea and the fact that they call it out doesn't really help. The central idea just being well, Woody came to get me, now I'm going to go to get him. And it's like, ooh, that's that would get really... I mean, I'm glad they didn't do that for the third and fourth movie because that would get really stale very quickly. Well, <laughs> even down towards the end with that role reversal where, you know, Buzz Lightyear calling out Woody saying, you are a toy. Yes, exactly, yes. Same oh, dialogue. Absolutely. Exactly back at him, yeah. So, and I, I did like that, like, um, the dynamic of Woody trying to battle that in terms of... Like he says, oh, what am I doing? And I think finally you've snapped out of it because, of course, it's going to be a very emotional situation for him. He's just got caught up in this whirlwind of stuff. Like he's this celebrity or whatever. He thinks he's better or he thinks he's superior, just like Buzz did in Toy Story 1 because mm. Buzz thought he had like actual actual story to him but then woody actually does so it's an interesting little dynamic there because woody yeah. actually has something going for him whereas buzz didn't that's yeah. why woody was more resistant to going back but then eventually he listens to the song or whatever and he just remembers what buzz said to him you've got a friend in me and i think he sees like a kid or is it meant to be andy in the in the program that kind of hugs him I don't think it's meant to literally be, but that's meant to be the idea is that that's Woody like seeing it invoking Andy in his mind's eye or whatever. Gotcha. 
Well, that that little moment, I I really appreciate how that kind of played out. Yeah, I guess, but that's that, that brings me to another interesting point. Then is that did were you guys happy and kind of satisfied with how it played off? That because to me again, it's done better in the third and fourth movie where it kind of it touches on this really big idea of well, your owner will eventually grow out of you and grow up, and then what happens to you, you never know, kind of thing. And it just seemed like it was paid very sort of random lip service in this movie before being dealt with better in the sequels. But I'd be curious to know if you guys thought the same or, uh, or if you're just happy with the way that it was handled. You see, I agree with you, but only because it was handled better in the third film. Yeah. I think yeah. if it, on its own, because at the time, of course, when this film came out, there was no Toy Story 3, obviously. No. So you, I just have to judge this film in the context of this film alone. Uh, but yes, in retrospect, having watched Toy Story 3, I also know, I think we're noticing the same things here, but it's yeah. just rubbing on us a bit differently because yes, I did notice it. But yes, it didn't really bother me. It bothered me in the sense that I was like, okay, that's a Toy Story 3 plotline, but it didn't yeah. disparage this film. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's just, for me, I just felt very, like, I felt like I should have gotten more of an impact out of, well, yeah, one day I'll be abandoned, but I'm going to enjoy every moment in the meantime. And I was like, ooh, that's a bit kind of, <laughs> that's to say the least bittersweet, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. What about you, DK? Were you uh, of the same opinion, or did you kind of? I am of the same opinion. Yeah, it uh, it didn't really. I mean, he brought it up. Obviously, didn't kind of go anywhere with it, and yeah, it kind of touched upon it in the end, and it kind of brought that that feeling back. You're like, oh, yeah, Um, absolutely, yeah. And it's kind of like it's weird how again Jesse kind of completely comes around to the idea of another owner just because she can go with them, and it's like you can go with them, and Andy will look after you now as well. And I'm like. Isn't the whole point that she like knows that she's going to be abandoned? And would yeah, be you know, so she's Andy's got a sister. Oh, she's got a sister. Oh, fantastic! And then she just yeah. runs at the chance to be abandoned again. So he never kind of yeah. plays that theme mm. out exactly. And I will say, I'm, I I wasn't fond of that. I mean, I'm, I know you know, looking back with modernising stuff, that's fair enough. But I didn't love the idea of, and I mentioned this to Will, the idea that the film, and it does it a few times, it really does that thing about there are girls' toys and boys' toys. And I'm like, oh, yeah. are we not societally kind of past all yeah. this now? You know? the thing, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're talking on the female toys in a minute because there is quite a bit to see on that. But with what you just mentioned about... Um, Jesse running the uh, the opportunity to be a kid's toy again. I think that was yeah. kind of the point because both at that time, both Jesse and Woody had accepted that they were going to the museum. So mm. at, at that, uh, and then of course, Woody has the change of heart and then he has to convince her and they both have similar changes of heart, even though just a minute ago, they both again were committed to going to the museum. So I think you right. had to have her sort of get broken down in the sense that he has to convince her to go with him for the exact same reason as he does, and yeah, I, I don't. It's not. I'm it's fine with it, for beat, uh, but it had I get done. it, and I'm fine with it. But I just think it could have been handled. It it seemed like it came out of nowhere, and I don't know how you would have done it, but it would have been nice if there was a bit of an addressing of like you can be a kid's toy again, and you never know. Maybe even after you know you, yeah, we, we may be grown out of, but then you never know. There might be other kids out there, you know. So. You can have a life and be played with and not be just behind a shelf or a glass case or whatever. Mm. Um, but didn't really take the time to do that. It was just like, hey, Jesse, you want to come be abandoned again? <laughs> like DK <laughs> says, and it's kind of like, really? You're not even the least bit kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't know about opening my heart again. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah. And as I say, I just really resent the idea that because Jesse is a female cowgirl, it had to be like, oh, Andy's got a sister. And I was like, and? 
you're still Andy's toy. You, just because you're a girl toy, I mean, he's got all peep. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but even in Toy Story 3, the sister still got baby, the sister still got the Barbie dolls and whatever. So it's very, what's the word, cliche or yeah. stereotypical in that respect. Pick up on that, on the behind the scenes, Mike, with regards to Barbie. I didn't actually know. That's one of the. I don't think I quite had as much as you. But if you wanted to uh, jump in was, now, then by all means. <laughs> it was just basically then in the first one they they put Bo Peep in because they couldn't get the rights to Barbie. Mattel wouldn't hand it over. No. And it wasn't until they saw how much money the first film made for this one that they went, yeah, okay, you can. We'll grant you the license. <laughs> I do remember reading that now when I remember that. Um, yeah, they didn't want it because they were worried they might tarnish the brand, but then. Being that Mattel, other things were featured, and then they saw like a massive uptick in like Mr. Potato Head sales and stuff. Yeah. So they they allowed Barbie to be in, and then naturally, life imitating art, they brought out for the first time a tour guide Barbie based on the one in the movie, and it sold like hotcakes, obviously. So, yeah. which didn't previously exist, it was like a gag for the movie, and now you can buy it. So, yeah. Um, related to that, since we're on it though, I forgot to also mention in the behind the scenes that there's a really cool moment when. The tour guide Barbie comes to the Buzz Lightyear Island and says, um, back in 1995, short side oh, of yeah. toys didn't order enough stock to meet demand. And that's genuinely true. Like There weren't enough Buzz Lightyear toys after the first movie, but they're not people that wanted to buy them. So it's very meta, I guess. <laughs> Did you get yours, Mike? I don't, I don't. I've never had a Buzz Lightyear toy, actually. My little brother did briefly, but it was, uh, it was one of the secondhand bought from some guy at the market. So it kind of had... Sun damage and it wasn't the best looking thing, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never had a Buzz Lightyear or a Woody, but I do have a little miniature Wally. Tiny victories. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. So, what was what was I talking about? Oh yeah, so as I, as I was discussing, like the idea of like the male and female toys and the slight kind of, I guess, controversy or just the way that it doesn't sit well with me. Um, that brings me to the way that they deal with the prospector. In that, like the, the ultimate horrible nightmarish fate is that he goes to a girl, and it's like, oh, she's an artist; she's going to put makeup on you and stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't get this scene. What's what are we supposed to take from this? Do you know what I mean? But you've got to bear in mind yeah. that you know, obviously, times have changed since then. Otherwise, they would have kept that outtake in at the end. Mm. Yeah, Attitudes yeah, yeah. were it, very, very different. Yeah, it's just. I, I, I do think, of... based on what we knew of the prospector, it did feel kind of his antithesis in terms of he didn't want to be played with. He didn't even right. he didn't want to be. He wanted to be a museum piece. He wanted to be yeah, minted true box, to right. himself. So the fact that he's been played with is bad enough, and that was hell for him. So when uh, he found out that she was an artist as well, that was the end for him. But that adds yeah. another layer to his character. He's kind of a hypocrite as well because yeah he wants to remain minute in box but he's popping in and out of his box regardless mm. yeah exactly um hence the the jokey kind of you're out of your box <laughs> which to i did the museum, though. that was that was a final resort to get to the museum i was i was supposed well yeah you say that but there's i mean he was the one that pressed the remote so as dk says he must have been popping in and out at will <laughs> so true um but yeah, since, since I'm on the subject of that, in case I forget, by the way, uh, apropos of nothing, but in terms of when we were discussing like the animations really good in this film before we started mm. recording, Will, uh, yeah. one of the things I did notice that I was really impressed with is the reflections on like the cellophane part of the prospector's box, because that must yeah. have been a nightmare to get looking like realistic. Yeah. And like yeah, when he was... into it as well, when he was like, what do you know? And then I was like, oh, that, that really comes out really well. 
Yeah, it's so just it's so complicated, and it so could have been something they would just cheat or not care about and just make it like transparent. But the way it interacted with the lighting and everything, I thought was just breathtaking. And since I haven't mentioned it on air, I will say yes. I love the fact that when it's animating humans, they just look so virtually live action almost with the way they have every pore and hair and. The scene that shows you that for me is when Woody's climbing over Al. I was just Peter thinking Peter. that. Yeah. Yeah. After he's dropped all the kind of cheese puffs off of the floor. <laughs> and uh, it's so weird because, as I mentioned to you again, Will, although the humans and everything are animated really good, there's a few scenes of like the background, like the streets and the buildings and stuff, which just look really basic, like Mega Drive <laughs> graphics 2D. And it's like. Yeah, Ooh. I noticed that this time. I'd never noticed it before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't think I had like the airport scene towards the end. After that whole and uh, climax scene, I noticed it with the the houses towards the end when they transitioned from the airport to the housing again. I was like, oh, yeah. that does look so good. But then I did mention yeah. it to you, Mike, that you know, the original transition where Woody was initially stolen from the yard cell, and then um, oh, they, I think they find out that he lives in a block of flats or whatever and then we uh, we transition out of the window and we see the the flats out in the distance That's and then we transition yeah. into the flat like that looks superb and that was yeah, the building, so it seems like, like if it's a hero yeah. building like al's toy barn or the where they live and stuff a hero area is animated really well but like they just didn't and i can't blame them for it i mean if it's a background it thing saves time. You're doing yeah. it in nine months it saves time but and for me it wasn't even the same scene it was when as i mentioned they kind of go out of the toy barn and they're trying to get the automatic door working and you just mm. look across the street and it's kind of like oh those buildings look a bit basic <laughs> you know? but uh I yeah. Get it. yeah um yeah fair enough uh what was it that uh, brought the brought it to your attention this time around dk then was it just a random part of the movie or <laughs> it was it was just it was towards the start i thought some of the animation towards the start i mean uh, i don't know if you mentioned it uh buster I wasn't entirely sold on the animation, no, yeah. but uh, some of the backgrounds in that section prior to Woody being kidnapped, as it were, some of the backgrounds looked a little rushed. Mm. Yeah, well, as I say, which may be you know part of the a symptom of the fact that it was done in nine months for whatever yeah. reason that might be. So, um, but just having said that, like you said, it's worth pointing out a lot of the animation that is flawless, uh, and that. See, it will be an interesting sort of segue into the next thing I have written on my notes that I'll finally get to, which is, uh, ironically, the very start of the movie, which we haven't even talked about yet. <laughs> which is, I just wanted to uh, say that I really love, I know it's kind of like, I, it's hypocritical of me because it calls back to the original movie, but I love the subversion of the fact that the first movie opens with like a, it's Woody's reality and, uh, it, it, you know, it's Andy playing with it, so it's not real, but it's Woody's version of reality. And then this one opens with Buzz's version, which, as it turns out, is a video game in kind of the same way as the other one was Andy's imagination. So I love that they kind of flipped that for the, the other character. And Absolutely. I just really love the fact that it's it's gorgeously animated and it's really well done and it's a cool little action sequence within itself. So did you guys it think... It was a really was great start, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the best out of all four movie stars because all movie, all four movies have like an opening five ten minute sequence, and I think, I think the, the start two three might be I'm gonna say even even considering yeah. three, I love three. Yeah. I, oh, I, I love three as well. I brought it up earlier, but Toy Story two is always the one that I remember so vividly. Yeah. I just mean the, the opening sequence for some reason. For whatever reason, I really liked the opening sequence of three, which is weird because it is just. It's basically a reprise of the opening from one with better effects, I guess, and uh, more use of like Buzz Lightyear and the other toys. But 
Yeah, mm. for whatever reason, that one I think is my favourite. But yeah, this is very close and just a really good scene. You know, I'm a sucker for space sci-fi type stuff and everything. And I even appreciated the gag of like when they go to Zerg's source of power and it's like a little D battery. <laughs> just, I like just how when, when he puts his hand through, it's got the lightsaber sound effect. Oh, I noticed that. Yeah, there was a couple of moments of that. There's a Star Wars blaster sound effect when he gets shot at. There's yeah. the Darth Vader breathing sound effect when he kind of first takes off his helmet. And then, as mm. you said, there's the lightsaber sound effect when he puts his hand through it. And, yeah, you can they, they are very definitely sampled from actual Star Wars. It's uh, quite deliberate. So yeah, yeah, Which is good. I mean, the sound design in general, I think, on these movies is, is brilliant because it is the top guys, isn't it? So you can't really fault it. Um, yeah. Excuse me. I did, but mind you, I did think it was a bit shocking, especially for a kid's movie, and because I always relate these to, like, being appropriate for really young kids. I did find it shocking that Buzz Lightyear in the intro is just a shot and immediately like obliterated in half. <laughs> and then it reveals it's a video game. And I'm like, phew, because <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> to be fair, that was in the scene where I felt that, you know, the scene where Andy is the dream sequence where uh, when he's on the top of the shelf, but oh, he yeah. kind of gets dropped into the cards and then that, he yeah. goes into the bin and then he's pulled into the bin. And I think that's quite, that could traumatize a child. That's, see, I, yeah. I don't find that traumatizing. I just find it trippy and really well animated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think it's what would scare a child, though. It would traumatize a small child. If I'd have seen that at the cinema when I was really young, mm. I'd have been I think I was, I was scared of that as a child. So not only did I skip the the Jesse montage scene, I also skipped that bit because I just didn't like it. In the mm. respect that I, I was quite traumatized by it. You love this movie that you've actually only seen about like two thirds of because you just skipped it. <laughs> I skipped about three minutes of it. Leave me alone. Fair enough. No, I thought that scene was really well animated and I loved how kind of trippy it was. It was reminiscent of like Alice in Wonderland and all the Disney type stuff. But Absolutely, I do think yeah. there's there's nothing in this movie anywhere near as traumatizing as the stuff in the first movie, which is my big criticism of that film is that Sid and the kind of mutilated toys and things are a, a little bit of a step too far for me um, in that first one. You know, the weird sort of. Combination I just didn't like Sid in general. No. Yeah. Um, for me, that was a step too far. But yeah, in this one, I get it, but I don't think it was as bad. So it's a lot more kind of family friendly for me in that way. Uh, yeah. Other than that brutal kind of was as dead, but it's only a game. So it's and then in Toy Story Three, they're all burnt alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is that um, I really love. There's a lot of kind of juxtaposition of the difference between like. And it is a cliche and it is generalization, but like the difference between kids and adults as toy collectors. So kids have them to play with and adults are like, we are the collectors, the nerdy ones. The stereotypically, you know, which I should have issues with. For display only. Yeah. Um, but to me, that really reminded me of another of my favorite movies, the Lego movie, which seems to be giving the message of like, yo, adults, toys are to be played with, not like placed behind a glass case and never touched or whatever. Um, yeah. Which I hadn't really picked up on before until I was watching it this time and I was like, ah. Oh, that kind of feeds into the he's for display only kind of thing. Um, so did you guys get that impression or am I just reading too much into it? No, no, I definitely got that. So I was secretly, you know, trying to convince myself that I'm not the adult in this scenario. <laughs> well, I'm he definitely... surrounded by glass cabinets. <laughs> well, I've got spaceships and things behind glass cabinets like that are models, but I also have, you know, Power Ranger lightning collection figures and stuff that are out of the box and... Uh, guarding my shelves <laughs> so i'm gonna claim i'm somewhere in between though i can't say i've actually pulled them out and started playing with them or anything so i'm just gonna say it's because i can't be asked to dust <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong you are not wrong so uh, yeah. yeah um 
much into it. I just found the scene where he's repairing him really satisfying, and I think that's that is ultimately the point. But it's such a satisfying scene, getting him, uh, watching him get pampered up. Mm, definitely, yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite scenes, like historically and right now. Like there's yeah. so many scenes that kind of stuck in the memory, and I thought, oh, okay, that still really holds up. I still love this scene, and that's mm. alongside the opening sequence, the the oddly satisfying repair scene and the final climactic jump on the aeroplane onto um, the horse. Those are, those are the three scenes that I kind of remember. And it's like the start, the middle and the end. I just love yeah. those three. I'm really glad they didn't give balls her voice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's weird when you think about it. Cause like slinky dog and Rex and everything have a voice. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I do I think like slinky in, in particular was quite wasted in this film like yes he has some um talking points but like i was like what is the point of slinky being here because like he's not doing much but the one moment i like the again it's a small touch but where the voice actor actually gets the bark you know mm. uh when yeah. the ventilation shaft and the, and he gets the bark i thought okay so they're actually feeding into that short the animal that he's playing which i quite appreciated but other than that i thought the comic relief especially was rex and all we needed really was uh buzz ham and rex not slinky i'd love slinky to death but i don't think he was needed you could argue that about any of the movies as the cast grows and they kind of try to force more and more of these things in i mean in toy story 4 they have like the guys introduced in three like mr prickle pants and whatever and it's like they paid Timothy Dalton to literally say, I think, three words in that movie just to have him in it. <laughs> and I was mm. like, oh, you, know, you don't need to do it. But yeah, it's it's weird. But having said that, I did appreciate the little joke about, um, uh, are you all caught up? No. Who's behind? Mine. And it's like his back part. Comes that was, that was like, oh, yeah. And well, then in the I... gag row at the end, it's like, oh, great acting, bum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> From that scene. <laughs> Uh, speaking of gags as well, I have to shout it out. I know it's really cheesy and it's so obvious, but I love the gag of like, I can't believe I have to drive all the way to work and it's straight across the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was basic childish gag, but it's still funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, this is an interesting talking point that I had. It's just, um, they introduced like Woody's roundup here as being where Woody comes from rather than him just being a random toy. And I was like, is this the movie trying to comment on the fact that everything has to be an IP? rather than it couldn't just be like a random, you know, cowboy toy that was made, or it has to come from a TV show or a film or real life or whatever. Um, again, am I reading too much into that? <laughs> the thing I is think that I'm always you conf- might be with that one, but yeah. mm. they, need, they did need a plot. Go for it, DK. No, that were it. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm just always confused if it is actually Woody who's the cowboy toy, or if there's several Woodies out there. Oh, there'll be, there's going to be others, I presume. It's just probably rare to find because the implication is that, you know, it's a cancelled old black and white show. So it's probably mm. quite rare to find this things like that. In, like, you know, Woody can't remember it, but the other guys are so insistent that it's him and it, it literally is him. And they can well, kind of comprehend that there could be other Woodies out there. So I'm always confused about the, it's kind of mixed messaging there. It's I'm just going on the fact that when he finds him in the yard sale at the start, he knows that he needs that poly stitch polyvinyl hat. So mm. obviously there's some kind of guides out there. Yeah, specific to that. Like mm. there might be knockoffs, but that's a very specific. Like he has to have all the exact clothes and the little hat and everything. And what happens and to I that? Can't... Every Buzz Lightyear thinks they're the main heroic Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the only difference is that Buzz at this point is mass produced. Yeah. So, yeah. so if it is a real Woody, it, it opens another kind of judge. It's like kind of what I'm trying to say. It's like, did Woody uh, just forget or has he had his mind wiped or it was a bad experience? So he kind of put it to the back of his brain. It's like, how did he forget? I think it's just one of those things where, to me, I read it as, this is getting way too in-depth, but I read it as like these toys were produced to tie in with the TV show, but they aren't the same puppets that were used in the TV show, if you know what I mean. So, like, mm. he only ever would have known he was manufactured and then sold as a toy to a kid and maybe Andy's his first owner or whatever. And he doesn't know that he's based on this, like, puppet from a TV show in much the same way. He, like, yeah, yeah he, would, he wouldn't have had that support group that Buzz did when Buzz turned up in Andy's room. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So I was just going to say that I really liked, again, in terms of, like, the way that writing ties everything in. Because I don't think that was intentional in the first movie, but the way that it links, like, well, Sputnik caused all the Western toys to be over replaced with space toys in much the same way that you know star wars signaled the end of western movies and the start of sci-fi i guess cinema in a way you could argue um and then you know the, the next stage was probably superhero cinema but that's a different issue mm. um but i also did think it was nice to have the through line of like rex wanting to defeat zerg which could and maybe should have been annoying but because it was a through line and it did become important at several times i was like this is actually Quite clever. Plus, Wallace Shawn as Rex is just brilliant anyway. <laughs> yeah. I did love the scenes where he's reading the guide. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Like, that's how they get you. They make you buy his guide. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, awesome. I, did, I did like the writing for Al. I'm not sure if you, you guys have ever known any kind of Al characters in real life. No. Kind of, but oh. never quite extreme, yeah. Oh, I used to work in a comic store. Wow. I see what you mean. Yes. And... He has that kind of attitude that when he's talking to people that he feels are below him, he's really, you know, dismissive. But the moment there's money involved or the moment, you know, he, he can get a rung on the ladder, he's ass-kissing all the way. Yeah, I know what you mean, actually, now. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely people like that. But as you say, I think mm. that's... He kind of has to be the bad guy in the movie, but at the same time, that's the point, is his attitude towards toys is definitely pointing out as being wrong. Like, they're not... Yeah. Admired and not played with, so. but uh, it's like the antagonist, but it's also there for like comic relief because whenever yeah. he speaks, he speaks really quickly. He's like the center of attention when he barges the guy who did just uh, repainted Woody and fixed him or whatever. It's like a serious moment, and then oh no, I was back, uh, the center of attention again. And he's just like really charismatic, and uh, yeah, I just love the character from the voice yeah. acting to the animation of him. He's a lot like a lot of the Wayne Knight characters in that way, in that he's like. He's completely irredeemable, but you kind of find it amusing because he's so bad at being Precisely. bad, and yet he's so crazy. Yeah. Like, he's cheap. He doesn't want to pay the price of shipping, even though he's probably got, like, you know, how many extra zeros can we chuck on? But he still won't pay for the, like, one-day delivery. So it's like, yeah. this dude is just really, like, not very nice, you know? And he's rude <laughs> to the people at the airport, and it's like, uh, it's such a broad cliche of, a, like, this is a bad dude. But you kind of have to laugh at him and uh, and mock him, I guess. So. I have to mention this next line because there's a couple of lines I want to talk about. And DK, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that uh, yes, Buzz does have the line, "Has your mind been melded?" Which, of course, is a reference to Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna try and get Star Trek in as much as we can in the podcast. And doesn't he give the Vulcan salute later on in the movie too? I didn't spot that, but I I very much could believe you. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was I going to say? In terms of like other lines that I just liked, <laughs> again, it's it's going to uh, surprise nobody, but I love the, um, how do we get through? Use your head. I don't want to use my head. I just use it as a battering ram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the whole sequences in the ventilation shafts and whatever. It's like, oh, when Buzz is really playing up to his light year kind of uh, stature, and he says, "Well, Sloyd Pig, that's my favorite line yeah. from." Yeah. Like, because Ham says, "Oh, Buzz, where would you get that bell?" And he says, "Well, Sloyd Pig, it's actually antique." And I just love how he said Sloyd Pig. That's why it's my name on Rooster. And it's like, oh, giant lizard. And I just absolutely loved it. I love that dynamic. <laughs> But yeah, there, there's some related to that. I also found it funny when they mentioned here. like, um, how are we going to get into the block of flats? And it's like, we could say we're a pizza, no, we're a meal, we're a what is it? Um, a burger with uh, a hot dog. What about me? You can be the toy that comes with the meal, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun. And uh, what was I going to say? Let's see. Um, oh, like... oh, when Rex drops his book and it goes under the shelf and he says, Oh no, my source of power. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. Uh, in terms of these aren't really funny, but the lines that gave me feels, which is at the very end when it calls back, um, what's a cowboy without his hat was really good. And mm. uh, once they've kind of saved the day and everything, and she actually says, well, that was definitely Woody's finest hour, which was the yes. kind of episode that never got made because it was cancelled. Um, and on the subject of like jokes that will hopefully go over kids' heads, but that are there for adults. <laughs> yes, again, it's cheesy, but I still laughed at like Buzz's wings are an erection joke. At the <laughs> yeah. Ding. <laughs> um. Oh, and I have to shout out as well, because we were just talking about Jurassic World last week, the other blatant Jurassic Park reference when Rex is chasing the Barbie car. And they're oh, I love the- that. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Such a cool reference. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a lot else to say until we get into the next section. The uh, section I'm on now is music, um, which I have to mention. Yes, there's the Close Encounters reference that I also love when Buzz is jumping over the... Yeah. Um, Goes, do, 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 which is great. Um, I know what I thought it was, it was in 2001. No, it's close encounters theme, isn't it? That's the whole point. It's the um, it's the notes that they play to. Anyway, oh, is it? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe give I'm me wrong. that nerd card, it's revoked. I apologize. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. That's me told. But um, <laughs> unlike uh, unlike you guys, I really loved, although it always brings a tear to my eye, I really loved When Somebody Loved Me. I think it's a really, really good song. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very impactful. And yes, it is nice to hear You've Got a Friend in Me, uh, even if it is diegetic within this, the actual movie this time. It's not like uh, outside of the plot. So it's actually Wheezy singing it and stuff, you know. Um, mm. And obviously it's on Woody's Roundup, so that's good. Uh, yeah, if we can actually actually talk about the, like the actual soundtrack, like I know the actual songs used outside is the soundtrack as well, but the actual created songs for this, I mm-hmm. really like the really intense dun, 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 uh, soundtrack that plays when they're in the cones and they're going across the roads, and it's like yeah, really really intense. And I think not only is it a great scene, even though it does take creative liberty, like every single film that does like those tense little moments, is it gonna hit them or not? It's like Indiana. Jones is like when that um the door is going down the door kind of goes up a bit further after each cut because naturally he wouldn't get through the door in time like in Star Wars when when they're being crushed to death the walls get further and further apart with every cut because you think oh how how are they going to get out of this we got to see this character get from there to there and it's like when um Mr Potato Head's foot gets stuck like the bar the bowl oh that's so tense 
yeah, like it goes back a bit in terms of when it falls off the cr- the cage or whatever, when it falls off the truck, it's like really, really close. And then we have like this 15 second se- sequence where it just keeps going back and back and back. Yeah. And the perspectives change because naturally he wouldn't, you know, get out in time if it was like the same distance as the first shot we saw. Yeah. But yeah, it's because of that, it's just really tense. You know, he's going to survive, but the music mm. just complements that massively. It's pretty tense, but I also I wanted to talk about that scene because it's one of the briefly uh, the brief scenes that I've talked about here, which is to say, I love that it literally starts off with the good joke of like we have to cross this road, and Rex just goes, "Oh well, we tried," and just turns around. And goes back. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the genius of like using the traffic cones to cross as if it's some kind of like great idea, and yet like the, even though it's all off screen, the fact that they're clearly causing like absolute carnage. And just like the, the thing that really tickled me that made me laugh is like the hubcap of a wheel just rolling into frame. <laughs> yeah. like some crack off screen. I was like, see, I, I like that kind of humor. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, I really thought that scene was that was good, good fun, good funny uh, humor. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was literally the end of my notes until we get to hmm. favorite character moment in line. So, but I, I, I must say, before we do go on, I think the scene where Woody's jumping across, what is it, like a, a luggage carrier vehicle? It's the conveyor belt thing that they use on the airport for the luggage, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the music that was playing when Woody was jumping over trying to save Jesse, like I love that piece of music. And the final, very final scene where they're on the plane and they are all about to jump. I really love the music that was played out in there. And then it kind of goes quiet and then the plane comes in over them and it gets really loud, but not with music, but with sound effects of the plane. I love yeah. how that kind of built up and then the whoosh. And then mm. it transit then that whoosh transitions into the next scene. And I thought that was fabulous. So yeah, if we're talking uh, about the music, yeah, that, that's all I've got to say about it. Fantastic. Kind of semi-related to that. There's a few great moments of like transitions as well. So there's the other one that sticks in my mind is when Buzz yeah, has like the hero shot of like the like the Earth or the Federation symbol or something behind him that then cuts to like the TV oh, uh, yeah. on the other yeah. scene. And I was like, oh, I love that. Again, they could have just cut straight to the scene, but little transitions like that, little directorial touches I always appreciate. Mm. So It reminds yeah. you that it's an American film and an American <laughs> production. Well, I don't think it was necessarily about being it was on the, It was on the nose. It was on the nose, that bit. But yeah. And it wasn't an American flag, was it? I thought it was just like the Space Ranger Foundation. In, in the US version, it is an American flag. It, oh, the BBC okay. iPlayer one was definitely American flag. Ah, okay, fair enough. They used the American yeah. version for the BBC. They have, apparently so, yeah. Oh. So I remember it. I remember it being like a globe and fireworks prior to me watching that's it. That's the one that I had I on think, the Zurich, I think but... that that's what I remember. That's I think that's the one they show on BBC, just like on the program. But um, the iPlayer version had the American flag and it had the American soundtrack going, like the American um, national anthem. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah. Definitely oh, not okay. the one that's on the Blu-ray, for what it's worth. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely just the had the globe. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, Pixar do do that though, don't they? And other DreamWorks movies and stuff do that. They have like local celebrities, depending on where you are, doing voices and stuff. Mm. Any other notes or um, TK? Was there anything like behind the scenes that I may have forgotten <laughs> from the intro bit? Or oh, I think you've. I mean, from what we were talking about the other day, you've probably covered anything. Have you? Uh, the sweet mother of Abraham Lincoln, you got that? No. <laughs> when Jesse first meets Woody, she exclaims, sweet mother of Abraham Lincoln. It's actually a reference to Tom Hanks' ancestry, as he's a blood wow. relative of the president on his mother's side. Oh, of wow. course. I know that fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, Tom Hanks was great in this as well. I have to say that because it's one of Will's favorite actors. So I think he's mm. excellent in this. Dylan and Tom Hanks do an absolute service and a credit to these this franchise. And I love them to bits. Yeah. Um, my the only scene that I kind of want to point out before we do wrap things up or whatever was that when they're trying to escape from the car, and and then uh Mr. Potato gets splung into a thousand different pieces. I love that mm. bit where like Buzz falls back and then he uh, ejects the, the window or something and then Mr. Potato Head's on the window and then he flings back and then he just bursts and that was hilarious. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a f- another thing. Since, since you're talking about that scene, this this very nearly made my favourite line and just missed out. And again, I don't know why I find it so amusing, but I love it in that scene when they're all like focusing on driving and then um, Ham's just in the back seat reading the manual, just going, well, there's no way he's getting this kind of mileage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's funny, but it really, it's like toys in real world circumstances dealing with human problems is always like, amusing to me. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, what, what we'll do then, we'll move on to, we'll give our favourite character moment and line, then, excuse me, then I'll cut to the audience response, and then we'll conclude with our conclusions and scores uh, so the audience stick around. Um, so nice. we will begin with favourite character moment and line. So what's your favourite character? And we'll start with you, Will, since you're the guest, and then DK, then myself. So who's your favourite character in the movie and maybe why? My favourite character would probably be Buzz, just because I really like his the character arcs that he goes on in the first and second film. And I just, even though I prefer Tom Hanks, of course, as yeah. an actor, I, I just gravitate towards Buzz more, I think. And um, yeah, that would be, probably be my favorite character. What about you, DK? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to actually say Wheezy for the longest time, but it's it's better to be Woody. Okay, fair enough. Woody and uh, Wheezy the Penguin a close second. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, any reason why it's Woody or just the fact that it's basically his like main plot, that Woody's roundup and well, identifying his... Well, like Will... I think Tom Hanks is just a fantastic actor. And uh, he, yeah, everybody loves the double act of Woody and Buzz, but for me, the heart of the franchise is is Woody. Absolutely. Right. Fair enough. Um, Okay. Uh, My favorite character, which will upset you, was Jesse, unfortunately. I will say Rex was very close because he amuses me in like all of the bits and steals most of the scenes, but it was Jesse because the impact, the emotion, and frankly, embodying the themes that the movie is trying to come to, to put across. I think I got from that and uh, yeah, that, and it's just a really great performance. So, yeah. Um, so then we'll back to you. What's your favorite moment or scene in the movie? Oh man, this is difficult. Cause there's so many. <laughs> uh, um, okay. I, I know what scene uh, I won't mention the scene that I've already touched upon because you know, I, I want to keep things fresh. It's probably when, what he's just like, hey, it's you guys, and then Buzz just pounces on him and he says, Watch yourself! Like, there was literally no breathing room there at all when they're coming to save Woody, mm. and then they burst through the, the thing. And then, um, yeah, it, it was just really funny. And I rewound that about three times because it just worked perfectly. Hey, you guys, <laughs> watch yourself! Pow! <laughs> I loved it. Fair enough. What about you, DK? Uh... There's only one choice for me, and, and it hurts, but everybody knows it as this film, and it's Jesse's flashback scene. It's mm. it's very painful, but I don't think you can beat it. Fair enough. Um, I definitely can see where you're coming from with that. It is the most impactful scene. Um, my favourite scene on the complete polar opposite of that is 
it's the stuff we were talking about. It's the crossing the road scene, just because it's <laughs> it's base level humor that appeals to me. But I will say, it feels like I should have picked all of the sci-fi stuff. So yes, just to clarify, I do love the opening scenes in the Buzz video game, and I do love the Star Wars reference with Zerg and everything. But it's just not as funny for me as that road crossing scene and the absolute carnage happening off screen as they think they're doing a great <laughs> job, just hiding under traffic cones and stuff. So, yeah, that was what I went for. Uh, and so, finally, then, for this section, Will, what is your favourite quote or line from the movie? Well slotted, pig. <laughs> you pick the weirdest things all the time. <laughs> but okay, it's, it's, that's it's pretty weird dialogue. It's funny. Fair enough. And what about you, DK? Well, it's going back to what we were on about earlier with that bittersweet thing, but I do love the last conversation between Woody and Buzz in the film. I like that, you know, it'll be fun while, it's, while it lasts. Besides, when it all ends, I'll have old Buzz Lightyear to keep me company for infinity and beyond. Yeah, the, the sad thing about that line is that obviously they hadn't reckoned with Toy Story 4, because not yeah. that I'm... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> peeps yeah, on the I... scene. See you, Buzz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll still have Buzz Lightyear. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah, have a fork. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, my favorite line is I don't know the exact speech because I didn't write it down, but it's basically when Jesse and Woody are discussing like having an owner or whatever. And uh, I think it's Woody says the words for her and says something like, Even though you're not moving, it really feels like you're alive when they're playing with you and stuff. So I, I appreciated that. And that was the, the impactful line that I would say, even though you might have expected me to go for a gag. And like I said, I very nearly did go with I seriously doubt he's getting this kind of mileage. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, well, that's... Before you get on the conclusion, did anybody else, with regards to how we treat toys, did anybody else feel guilty how they treated the toys as kids? <sighs> Not really. <laughs> I came away from this feeling like a bastard. <laughs> I can't say I did. I, I still don't. I still don't really think about it even when I watch these movies because I'm like, well, you know. I, I mean, it's, don't it's get me wrong. Me. I was no Sid, but you know. Yeah, the amount exactly. of toys that i've sold in my life and i just think oh god i abandoned them this is going to come ac across as really sad uh that i didn't really have toys growing up i just had my little cars and i had like a car mat and that was my mm. sort of entertainment and uh, to be fair i also had a uh, playstation 2 so that, <laughs> that, was my, that was taking my attention as a five-year-old so your version of toy story would be a PS, <laughs> ps2 looking all forlorn as the ps3 gets released the PS2 yeah. is like, he's going to replace me. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, well. Um, if that's all for that bit, then I'll move on to the next section, which is the audience interaction section. Um, as usual, I put out onto social media, you know, some thoughts about this movie. Uh, we didn't get a lot of responses, but uh, I've discussed this with Diki. I did actually join a Discord sort of movie server uh, where Ooh. I put the, the question to them. And there's a good long thread that got talking about Toy Story 2 of good responses. But before I get to that, though, I will deal with the stuff that I put on kind of Twitter, um, because I did put some polls out as we've started doing more this series. Uh, the first one was, what would you rate Toy Story 2 out of four stars? Uh, there was only 12 votes. Nobody said one star poor or two stars below average. 25% said three stars good, and a whopping 75% said four stars excellent. So pretty ringing endorsement, I would say. Uh, I asked, which is the best Toy Story movie out of obviously the four? Um, with 7%, last place went to Toy Story 4. Uh, third place went to Toy Story 2 with 27%. And joint first with 33% each was Toy Story and Toy Story 3. So very nice. intriguing. <laughs> um, mm. 
I also asked who is the best Toy Story character, as Will was mentioning earlier, and the four options were Woody, Buzz Lightyear, Jesse, or Other, and you could comment if you wanted. Um, Jesse came in last with 8%. Uh, Buzz, Lightyear, <laughs> Buzz Lightyear and Other both came in with 25% in joint second, uh, and Woody was the far and away winner with 42%. So, yeah. Um, on the topic of that, though, um, I did see, like, uh, you could have commented if you wanted to, and I did get some comments to that. Who's your favourite character? Uh, which were all the same answer. Uh, so Mark Lilly at Mark J. Lilly said Rex or maybe Mrs. Potato Head. I pecked your angry eyes, <laughs> lol. Um, <laughs> at Camos Mills just says Rex and has the little emoji of a dinosaur and a gif. Uh, and our friend at Crazy Pilf, that's Phil from the We Pay For Your Flow podcast, says the only right answer here is Rex, although I may be biased due to him being one green, the best color, two a dinosaur and three very relatable. Uh, and I pointed out it also helps that he's uh, voiced by Wallace Shawn from one of his favorite movies, The Princess Bride. So there you go. I did ask if uh, anybody wanted to rank the Toy Story movies, because just for argument's sake, I was able to do that for my own personal reasons. And I went with the ranking of best to worst or favorite to least favorite Toy Story 3, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, then Toy Story 4. Uh, DK declined to comment because he said he couldn't really bring himself to rank them. Um, and the only other comment was at Camos Mills again, who just says, I like them all, but I'm going to have to go with the first. So, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. At Camos Mills actually did rank them. He said, number one, Toy Story. Number two, Toy Story three. Number three, Toy Story four. And last place in four, Toy Story two. Don't tell me that. <laughs> so, uh, the last bit of information at Mark T. Lilly said, I honestly think that the opening sequence to Toy Story 2 is the best movie opening ever. It's outstanding. So a lot of praise for that Buzz Lightyear video gamey sequence. Um, I also, because I wasn't getting a lot of responses, asked my little brother for his opinion because I just happened to be <laughs> messaging him. <laughs> so, you know, why not? Uh, so that's uh, at Sam Milliken. He says, um, I can't remember it too well. I, re I like it from what I can remember. I can mainly only remember Jesse's introduction and Buzz's storyline. Okay. And yeah, uh, I asked, you know, what did um, what did you think of Toy Story 2? And this is the uh, Discord thread. Uh, Wildfire said, it's the first DVD my family bought. It might also be the best Pixar movie, or is that take too hot? Uh, Orange <laughs> says, not the first, but I had it on video, and it's a lukewarm take. Uh, Wildfire then responded, either Toy Story 2 or The Incredibles. Um, Jaden says, the nightmare scene with Woody in the Black Void used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> uh, Wildfire then simply posted a link to the song When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2 uh, and said, never realized how sad this was until I was an adult. Uh, Mari responded, the life of a toy is pretty rough. And Wildfire, stating the obvious, said, it's a metaphor. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. <laughs> Cake Monster said, Toy Story 2 is a great movie. Might be my favorite Toy Story film. Wumbo said, same, love the creepy man kidnapping toys. Queen of Cringe says, I'm scared of part two. <laughs> uh, to which Wumbo asked why and uh, they responded the airport part is scary um, then Highlander said Toy Story 3 is scarier Junkyard scene uh, thinking about a revolution said Toy Story 3 is the best one Morbius 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 says <laughs> wrong take 2 is the best one and then thinking about a revolution said 2 is the worst one 1 and 2 are bad I know it's wrong it's just what I believe Wildfire then called for him to be banned <laughs> 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 I know, right? Half robot, half living vampire said four is the best one. Morbius, Morbius, Morbius chimed back in with I genuinely do not remember four. Uh, Highlander came back with four was fine. I think I like two the best because of the video game being really good. Then thinking about a revolution said the game is not the movie. And half robot, half living vampire said three actually had a good game. 
which was the end of the conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say we had a little bit of information from uh, the Silver Screen podcast Twitter, which, as uh, we alluded to earlier, it was our friend Jamie or Mario Bowser 494 who said, Toy Story 2 is my favourite animated movie and one of my favourite movies, period. Everything about it is just perfect. Woody's arc is more interesting than in the first movie. There's a lot of more mature themes. Buzz's side plot is a ton of fun, especially the traffic cone scene. And the fact that the movie is as good as it is, despite most of it being animated in nine months, is incredible. So Absolutely. that will conclude all of the audience responses, thankfully, to uh, to that. And, big up, uh, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> big up indeed, Jamie. Thanks for contributing. So... Uh, yeah, with that out of the way, we are going to jump into our conclusions and scores. And uh, again, since you're the guest, Will, we'll start with you. And uh, did you want to give your conclusion and your score out of five stars? Oh, bloody hell. You know what I'm like with conclusions, Mike. Yeah, it's uh... going to be like, it's solid. <laughs> solid, mate. Yeah. Oh, it's been so long since I actually had a decent conclusion. Uh, right. Toy Story 2. Uh, very good. <laughs> Very good, I suppose. <laughs> Very good. Um, it's went down slightly in my um estimations. I do prefer Toy Story One now, but I still appreciate Toy Story Two, especially for the nostalgia reasons. A lot of the scenes, well, pretty much all the scenes, every single scene actually holds up really well. Um, and there's some bits I naturally don't like. There's some um, little nitpicks I have that kind of bring the the film down a bit. But otherwise, it's still really strong, and I'd give it. it we're doing for out of five, yeah? yeah, yeah. Four stars out of five. Okay, fair enough. Um, so DK, we'll jump to you next. Did you want to give your conclusion and score? Okay, bit long, but so bear with me. <laughs> I'm a Disney nerd, and I was a huge fan of the original 1995 Toy Story. So when this was announced, I was reluctant to even consider the possibility that it could be any good. You have to remember, this This was in the days when Disney sequels were primarily straight-to-video affairs, and any part twos were usually cheaper, less quality imitations used to cash in on nostalgia. However, Pixar were the first to successfully book that trend with this movie. I'm so glad I relented and saw it in the cinema when it was released. It was funny, heartwarming, and occasionally heartbreaking. I've watched it occasionally since, since it came to home video, and it's been a while since my last viewing, so I was afraid my memories of it would outshine the reality. But I'm so glad to say that I was concerned for nothing. And slight aged animation issues aside, it's still just as charming, as entertaining as the first time I saw it. The animation holds up well. Direction is good with some beautifully, especially for an animation, shot scenes. There's also some very nice homages to other movies. And the entire thing is chock full of Easter eggs for sharp eyed viewers. Every voice artist involved injects the characters with a personality and a richness that you feel for these toys, and in some cases feel guilty for the way you may have treated your own. Mine, that's probably just me. The humour is not forced, unless you squint at the outtake scenes, and these movies were a pioneer for adding jokes for adults and children alike. I can't really complain about a single thing or any on this movie or any of these movies. Because although we each have our favourite in the franchise, all of the Toy Story films, even the shorts, have always been a masterclass in well, thought out, planned and executed quality. When an animated movie transcends its genre and can be respected as pieces of cinema, you know there's something special. And this movie, like the others, are special. And I actually gave it five out of five. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're going five out of five for it then. I'm going to give five out of five, yeah. Awesome, fair enough. Uh, yeah, my conclusion's kind of longish. I just said Pixar knows how to make great movies and great sequels, and this was the first proof. 
Brace yourself, though, because it feels to me like the weakest part of the initial trilogy. It relies a bit too heavily on referencing the first movie to truly stand alone. And though it comes close, it lacks the emotional punch that the third movie will take its themes to. That said, it's still a bloody good movie. It looks gorgeous. The voice performances and animation are outstanding. And it's frequently very cleverly plotted and still has room for some jokes for all ages. Maybe it's the lack of as much of a personal connection, but it really just doesn't have the impact and magic of the first and third movies to me. Although while it lacks the nostalgia factor, it's far more emotionally affecting than the first movie, at least. And I still get more than a little misty-eyed at Jesse's song. Pixar and Toy Story have such high standards that even with my criticisms, my score is one that most animated family films can only dream of. Not exactly to infinity and beyond, but certainly reaching for the sky. <laughs> and I also went four out of five. So, yeah. Um, the overall podcast score, then the average of four, four, and five means that the final score for this film is 4.3333 recurring. So we call it 4.33 out of five, which is a pretty high score for Toy Story 2. And uh, yeah, very uh, very well uh, well done, everyone. Thanks for joining. Thanks for wrestling with your internet issues, DK, to be able to join us. And uh, thank yeah. you, Will, for coming back on and for selecting the movie that we were going to review today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. I'm glad uh, you guys had did you guys have fun? I had fun. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate I everyone watching it. Hearing me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. Glad. Awesome. Um, so, did you, Will, did you want to give any quick shout-outs as you're the guest again to uh, the other places people can find you? Uh, Shout-out to the Silver Screen Podcast. Uh, please subscribe to them. They're very good. I don't know oh. who they are personally, but yeah. They're, they're <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm pretty much the, the the recurring guest here now. So if you like me, just stick around because I'm probably on this podcast more than my own. So yeah, <laughs> literally, uh, the last episode that we did that I was on was like three months ago. So and since then, nice. I've been on about four, four or five of your episodes. I feel bad because we more. stole you for the Top Gun review, and then your co-host decided to do one on your channel without you. <laughs> so I like, well, I, well, he wanted to do one with me, and I was like, I can't because I literally just did one on last weekend. That that happened, so check that out if you want. The Big Screen Podcast, mm. it might get revived. So I, I've been trying to edit the Morbius review for, for ages, <laughs> but then I absolutely hate that review, so it's never seen the light of day. Um Subscribe to my Twitter. Subscribe to my Twitter page. Yeah, for, subscribe to my Twitter page. There'll be a link in the description. But otherwise, nah, just check out Michael and DK. I'll pass it. And do to check you. out the um, the Who Game Shows YouTube channel because there's going to be some content going up there very soon. Yeah, you uh, guys are on that. Indeed, we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. To be soon. So, yeah, DK, did you want to shout out uh, where people can find you? Uh, it's usually on this <laughs> podcast or the Hit or Miss podcast or. My social media, again, like Will says, it's listed on the uh, description. Fair enough. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, you can always find my listings in the description. I'm Ian Mike Wilson on Twitter. I'm just my name on Facebook, Instagram, etc. cetera, uh, Discord, all that jazz. And, uh, yeah, you can find this podcast anywhere you get podcasts audio-wise or on YouTube. And as DK said, we also do the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, which is currently on break, but is coming back with a bit of a – a Who Game Show-style treat soon, uh, and then launching straight into our third uh, time travel-themed series in around September. So stay tuned for that. And uh... um, I, I will mention quickly, if you do want to listen to these guys on Spotify, I noticed that you can't just type in Silver Screen Podcast. You have to type in like Michael's podcast feed because that's the yeah, overarching yeah. name 
So if you want to listen to like on Spotify or whatever, and I'm guessing audio streaming services, type in Mike's podcast feed and uh, yeah. yeah. I should have said that, yeah, because I I have the silver screen and the hit or miss Star Trek on the same feed. Yes, if you are wanting to search out the audio, uh, look for Mike's podcast feed and you'll find both uh, are in that feed there. So uh, enjoy. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week with a review of the biopic First Man. Uh, myself and DK are going to be joined by Sandra Evanson, the first time guest. That's going to be good. And it's also the first time that DK has seen this movie. He's yet to see it. So I'm intrigued to see his opinion. And uh yeah, join us for that. And in the meantime, uh, DK, do you want to give us a quick sign-off? <laughs> <laughs> in the words of Arnie, I'll be back.